If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hello and welcome to the GC Sunscast. This episode of the GC Sunscast is brought to you by our Patreon donors, Old Soul, Jack's dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, and James Wood. Thanks to our donors. If you'd like to support us financially, head on over to patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast to keep the show alive. With your help, we can reach goals such as taking live shows at live calls and producing more than one show a week. If you can't help us financially, that's all right. Head on over to Facebook and YouTube. Click like, subscribe and follow to uh, spread the word off the GC Sunscars. But for now, let's move on to the show. Yes, we're back with another episode of the Gold Coast Sunscast Live. My name is Shane, your host, and joining me as he does each and every episode, Tom, thanks for coming on. Yeah, g'day Shane. A uh, bit of a disappointing result on the weekend, but uh, good to see the boys out in full fettle and, and having a run around. Uh, it's going to be interesting next nine days to see who the best 22 is. Yeah, it will be. That's really the only thing to look forward to. I feel really flat after the week. Um, not just the game versus Sydney, but the ACL injury to Rory Thompson. And more recently, we've just found out Rankin's going to miss six to eight weeks with a hamstring injury, which includes a, a slight tear off the tendon. So that's never mm. good for a young player. And... Uh, young as well is out with an ankle injury. And at this stage, it's to be confirmed how long he's going to be out for. It, it just feels like our season's gone downhill, like, before the season's even started. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. But on the other... Um, the, good, the good news is that um, Nick Holman, Jordan Murdoch and George Holland-Smith will be available for selection for the first game. So whilst it looks like we've just lost three players, we've got three coming back in. So the injury list hasn't gotten any longer. Um, and... Corey Ellis and Josh Corbett are basically going to be back, if not by week one, then then by week two. And then you've got a couple of other guys who will be back in time for the the, the, uh, the kneeful to start, if not game one, then game two. So I think our list is looking pretty good injury-wise. But, you know, I mean, the big the big one was Rory Thompson. I mean... In that in that training session, he he gets ruled out for the season, and, and Jordan Murdoch gets a concussion, which is you know, never good. So um, you know, I bet you they wish they had have gone for light training instead of hard at it. Yeah. So uh, didn't we have a, a knock? Murdoch might have suffered a knock or something. We had another player miss out on Friday because of a a training mishap as well. So mm. it's. Yeah, it just seems like Friday was a bad day and it seemed to continue over through the weekend. But we will move on. Uh, Football doesn't start until next week. So 
You know, I mean, realistically, I don't think anyone was expecting Gold Coast Suns to have a tilt at the flag this year. But if I'm being a, a pessimist, I'd be saying, well, our chances of going for the flag is certainly done and dusted now. Yeah. Well, look, the the um, I guess what the, the the optimistic outlook is that we have a pretty cushy first five weeks. Um, you'd rather have our injury list than St Kilda's injury list. I mean, I, I really I really feel for those two players for them who, you know, they've got a question if their if their career is over, and St Kilda had a win on the weekend. Um, they, you know, their injury list is 15 or 16 deep, and and you know some of their best players out, and you know, um, and uh, and you know there, there aren't any play, there aren't any teams in that in that first five games who are really um, in anyone's calculations for top eight or or, uh, or to go particularly well this year. So, I still think we can give the first five weeks a, a good shake. Of course, we did that last year, and look where it got us. So. Um, you know, I'm optimistic for the short term. Corollary of that is, if if we don't go very well in those first five weeks, it's only going to get harder. So it could be another year of pain ahead where we sort of have to have to, you know, give every single player on the list a, a run and see how they go. Um, you know, at this stage, I'm still optimistic though, uh, quite optimistic that the round one game against the Kilda is going to be a, a big win as well because they they don't have much left in the tank. All right, well, you stay optimistic for this episode because we're going to try something a little different. Um, I'm feeling so flat about our result that I'm, I've am i really only got a lot of pessimistic things or concerns I'd like to put out there. And uh, throughout this episode, you be the optimist and you try and turn me around and show me, you know, the bright side and, you know, where I'm getting it wrong and what's the actual, you know, what is the positives to take out of the the JLT game from the weekend? And, you know, the silver lining for the injuries that we've suffered. So let's get underway with the news. Well, we pretty much covered it. Rory Thompson's out for the year with an ACL. Rankin's had a hamstring injury and is out for six to eight weeks. And Young, with his ankle, is injured. The good news is Holman and... Uh, who, help me out, Tom. Who's the other one? Holland, Holland Smith and, yes, that's and it. Holman. And Murdoch was never really on the injury list, but he was left out because they were just being cautious because he had a head knock. So um, that's good because none of those, all, all three of those players could have played on the weekend. They were just being cautious. Yep. Well, you know, we're certainly going to be having some more players coming in. So, you know, that's got to help. But yeah, yeah. Injuries to Rory Thompson. I mean, besides Jared's wit, Jared Wits, you know, he and Peter Wright. He's probably the most important player in the side. Yeah, I, I mean, we do tend to have to do without him for for a few games a year, anyway. So it's not like we haven't done it before. My my first inclination was to say that Sam Day just needs to go back because he, you know, we, we've got. We've got some forwards that we can try out who who can get some goals. And Sammy's never really been a noted goal kicker. Um, you know, he wants to play forward, but if he's needed down back... Because let's face it, we've got Hanley and Harbrow down back who, who do provide that maturity. But without a third 
sort of, you know, veteran player. It looks a bit young at times. Um, I'd, I'd sort of like to see Sammy go down there. Um, he's almost got the same height as, as Thompson. He's got better usage of the ball, so he's going to get a few more possessions. He can chop out in the ruck, so... You know, one thing we, we, we do sort of see in, in this particular game that um, there were a lot of there were a lot of hitouts, and and Witsy can't do everything. Uh, otherwise, he doesn't. He's just not as effective. So, yeah, I reckon I reckon Sammy Day. And if it's not Sammy Day, well, we've got a lot of depth at that position. And you know, perhaps after a half a season in the NFL, Ben King might be ready to to step up and, and Ben King's kind of the natural successor to Rory Thompson in terms of height and, and ability. Probably, well, he's got more better ability. And he, he wasn't terrible either, Ben King. Uh, he, 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 he did struggle. He Let's not yeah, sugarcoat he it. He, he did struggle. He I don't know whether he just struggled with the pace of the game or the physicality, but yeah. he, he just didn't, he, he didn't live up to the hype that had been built up during the preseason since we selected him. And, I mean, that's probably due to the, the hype was probably based around him playing forward as he did for most of last year because his brother was injured. Which is what I think is part of the problem is that he, he did go and play that season forward and now we're chucking him in at the back and we're not exactly um, going small. So he sort of... It's, it, when the ball goes in there, it, it, it's kind of a bit like a scramble, and there's all these big Suns guys charging up for the ball, and he, he's the he's the guy who gets sort of bumped out of the contest. Whereas you'd kind of you'd kind of like him one on one with with a with a with a, with, a, with a, an opposition forward. I mean, he did he did get beaten a couple of times. I, I will say this: I like what he did with the ball when he got the ball. And there were times when he came up with the ball in a contested situation. And that was just, you know, it, it was just good. You could just sort of see, look, he's a kid, but he knows what to do with it. He's cool, cool-headed when he's got it. He's just got to get a bit more of it and back himself a bit more to go out there and, and take a few intercept marks and sort of play to his strengths. Um, there was one particular passage of play where he was sort of pretty much caught out of position, but he, he just ran with it. And you know nothing was going to happen if if he if if it didn't work out. But he was willing, ready and willing to be part of the chain of hand passes that got us through their midfield. And I just, I just really liked it. I I know that the commentators sort of went, "Hang on, who was that the link man in there?" And then you know they realised it was him. So yeah, I, I, you know I, I'm not. I've got to be optimistic. Tomo's not coming back, and we probably have half a dozen players who could who could play in his position. So, you know, including going right the way back down to our, our rookie, um, Caleb Graham. And um, I'm, we, I'd like to talk a bit more about this later because I think it's a, an important discussion to have. But, um, you know, my, my old uh, Tom's take on on uh, not picking Dirk Conan, well, now, now we've got a chance to pick a player to replace Thompson. Well, why not just... Pick Dirk and put him in the rotation, and if he if, if he makes a debut by the end of the year, well, that's that's good. Uh, but yeah, bring him in because there's 17 other clubs who could potentially pick him um, for you know with an eye on, on keeping him for the future. So okay, you know. but 
let, let's get back to the season at hand. We've lost our number one key defender, Rory Thompson. Who's going to take the players like Buddy, uh, Brown and Cox in the uh, down at full back? Uh, Jerry Still is just point, asking the question on the live chat. Have you got an answer, mm. Tom? Is it yeah, Sam well, Day I'm... or are we going to be relying on Collins and Holmes? Yeah, uh, I mean, Holmes has stood on the, some of the best full forwards in, in the competition and, and, and kept them goalless. So... He's, he's, he's the guy who is able to do it, but he's always giving away size. And you can have a really good game at fullback and give away five goals. Um, so we don't really want to be relying on him for it all. And I, and I actually like him for other things that he offers. Um, and, and Sam Collins is a big boy. Um, let's not forget we've got um, Jack Leslie's coming back in a few weeks. He won't be fit for round one, but he'll he's sort of thereabouts for, for the first uh, maybe maybe round two or three. Um, not that you throw him straight back in, but he's an option. Um, but I do have to say, I, I just think uh, big Sammy Day, he's, he, he's, almost, he's, he's almost got the skill set of, of Thompson. Um, he's probably stronger, um, but he's definitely got that ability to use the ball. And maybe sometimes the, the negative parts of Thompson's game is that he's not very confident using it. And he generally only gets that four or five possessions a game, even though he does a lot of good things. So Sammy Day getting 15 to 20 possessions off, off the, you know, out of the back line, he doesn't need to, but if he did, um, or he could even be taking the kickouts because he can, he can roost the ball a long way. So, yeah, I, I just think that's how it's, it's been. It, it's not been the Stuart Dew thing, but it was an Eid thing and it was a, a McKenna thing uh, where they, they, they put Sam day back in the back line so um he and some would argue he played better football in the back line so yeah that's my solution all right so tom thinks sam day goes back to cover rory thompson i probably still lean towards collins and homsch they're doing a good job they're both impressed at different times throughout the preseason comp and throw in Charlie Ballard as to take the intercepting. Um, I think we've got a pretty, pretty strong defence in that scenario. Still, Rory Thompson is a huge loss, and there are still question marks over whether Collins and Homsch and even Day are capable of shutting down a player like Buddy uh, Brown or Cox. They're absolute mm. stars mm. of the competition, and Jay Kennedy from. Um, uh, West Coast has always traditionally killed us as a Suns fan. Um, yeah, and he, Jake, Jack Homsch doesn't like him one little bit. No. All right, well, let's move on to the other big injury news, and that was Rankin. So we all had high hopes for him. We'd seen some highlight. We'd seen a, a decent-sized highlights reel already from him in a few games that he has played. Um so I guess that small forward position sort of opens up the X-factor player. Now, that that's going to be a tough one. Again, we do have quite a few small forwards. I mean, it probably does lock in a player like Darcy McPherson. However, yes. my opinion was Darcy should have been in the side before then anyway to provide that defensive pressure. So let's look at the players. I mean, maybe this ensures Lukosius plays. Maybe they changed the structure yeah, to go with a more mobile tool, uh, forward and Lukosius mm. suits that mould. Or what about um, 
you know, assuming we keep Ainsworth in the middle, how about Archie goes back to playing forward? I don't think we've got any shortage of, of small forwards. In fact, without, without even without Rankin, I could still name six players who could play in that forward line who were all picked at, in, in, in the draft at, at pick eight or higher. Um, so, you know, there's, there's... And we've got a... You know, we've got a bloke like Will Powell who doesn't fit that, that you know. Uh, but he he's playing really well. So you wouldn't mind Will Powell playing on a, on a half-forward flank and and, um, and perhaps rotating a little through the midfield himself. Yeah, um, you're, you're right there. Uh, Will Powell did spend a bit of time uh, as as full forward even for the Suns mm. last year. So he, he does have the ability to, to play as a forward. It, it just probably justifies his place in the 22 because he's pushing for it. He's got the talent. He's really made leaps and bounds in, in, in improvement. And I, I don't think we could justify having him as a, just a midfielder. He kind of needs to be maybe a, a forward who rotates through the midfield to give someone a bit of a rest. Um, you've got Sexton in as a lock. And I think he's proven in the preseason here that he he's just got goal sense. And when you when you get it to him and you give him opportunity, he'll you know he'll take it. Um, and he's kind of the senior senior player in the in the forward line. So um, you're definitely going to have have McPherson and Sexton, obviously Peter Wright, and it looks like Chris Burgess has won the full forward spot. Um, he didn't have terrific accuracy. But he made a lot from not much, and that can sometimes turn into three or four goals pretty quickly. Um, so as far as who's going to take that little, that smaller forward role, um, maybe Ainsworth spends a bit more time up front. I'd, I'd like to see Ainsworth through the middle more, but you know maybe Ainsworth and and Tuke Miller can't you know switch places and give Tuke a bit of a rest up forward where he could just be you know quite damaging himself. So I, I don't think we I don't think we're in any danger there it just means that we're going to get better when Rankin comes back if he can crack back in because if someone like Calamarchi starts kicking two or three goals a game it's all over (laughs) yeah it's definitely a cause for concern Uh, I mean we were all just looking so forward to seeing Rankin play Uh, you know he's probably a favorite for the rising star but you do make a good point Will Powell looks like he could really have an impact I've been searching for how to get Will Powell into my best 22 for most of the, at least the last few weeks since I've seen him in the practice games. Um, And I haven't really been able to justify putting him in the midfield with all the the midfielders we're trying to squeeze in there. But a position opening up in the forward pocket, half forward flank, I really think that would suit Will Powell. So, yeah, you've actually turned me around there. I'm I'm quite confident Will Powell uh, would be a, a good fit, a good replacement for Rankin. Um, Going to call and, that a win then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the last one is Aaron Young with the ankle. Now, yeah. there are question marks on whether he was best 22 to begin with, uh, at least through with fans throughout the preseason. Um, I think now we've got the depth of the experience to be able to cover someone like Young uh, with George Holland-Smith and Murdoch in the side. Uh, as well as Burgess and Collins sort of providing mature bodies. Probably Josh Corbett as well. Yeah, I don't think He's... Young's too big of a an injury concern as far as immediate impact to the side. 
Um, and yeah, Josh Corbett, I mean, he's not going to be playing round one. He, he should be available, but you'd think his uh, fitness wouldn't be up to scratch having missed the last, what, four to six weeks with injury? Yeah, uh, it's kind of traditional to have a um, a needful practice game with, with Brisbane. So uh, we could be seeing some of those guys in action. Not that we'll be watching it or anything like that, but, uh, but that could be a, um, a guide to see how ready he is, if he, if he can perform... Um, because let's let's face it, the Nefal team hasn't had any recognised forwards. Um, the last last year, they, they had all these guys, you know, buggerising around up forward, but none of them were over. You know, I think the tallest of them was 188 centimetres, um, and and Emmanuel Baru, and he, he he did he did pretty well as far as that's concerned. But if you've got someone who's actually got a bit of size and and, and marking ability and and maturity. Um, that NIFL team is going to be very strong. And it's important to have a strong NIFL team so that all these fringe players and returning players coming back from injury can actually, you know, be playing in simulated conditions and in the same structures as the as the senior team. And, um, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see a, a, you know, a healthy rotation of players who... Uh, if they just don't fit or there's a, no matchup for them or there's, there's a form issue uh, or, or niggling injury or whatever, um, you know, I think guys like Corbett and Leslie could see themselves coming back in. We don't know with Aaron Young if it's going to be three weeks or, or 13 weeks. So he's, he's sort of listed as indefinite and it's a bit of a bummer. But what I will say about that is similar to what you said. Last year we brought in Harrison Wig. Aaron Young and Nick Holman as these sort of mature bodies. And it was kind of like, um, you know, the kinds of trades or, or rookie picks that you make where they, if it doesn't work out, then say la vie. Well, it worked out for two of them. And this time around, we've, we've done, gone back to the well and, and got a bunch of mature players. So, you know, as long as two or three of them can, can, can sort of come on, then that sort of lays the foundation for our really talented high draft picks to come on themselves and have a bit of competition for their their spots. And so I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of you know quite gung ho about that. Um, I'd really like to see these guys. You know, I mean, we, we, let's go through it. There's, there's guys like Braden Crossley and Brad Shear and Will Brody, Jacob Dawson, Jacob Hare and. Connor Nutting, Jez McLennan, they're, they're going to be playing in the NEFL. If we had have had, you know, some of the, some of those calibre guys last year, then we would have won the NEFL. It's going to be it's going to be a really interesting thing to see players coming from the lower grade coming in and being ready to hit the A. Want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select style, 10 off 25, offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Fell in form. Yeah, um, well, the Neeful's definitely going to be worth watching for a Suns fan this year to see these boys coming up. And also, I mean, the Suns Neeful side should be fairly competitive most weeks, you know, to get wins. Yeah. Uh, well, they should have a pretty the... good strong side with 
barring the fact we cop any more injuries. Yeah, well, but look, look, we've got nine injuries right now, and and by this time next week we'll have seven, and there's no game between now and then, and then two weeks after that we'll have five injuries, but that'll be after two games. So, um, an, an injury list of five players, and let's say we have an injury in each game, seven players isn't a bad injury list. There are other clubs who've got injury lists of fifteen plus already. So we're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Um, let's not forget the NEFL will also feature our under-19s guys who might have come close to being rookie drafted, except for the fact that we've you know, obviously had a very different rationale for our, our recruitment over the holiday, over the, over the off-season. Um, there are guys who are in that sort of last, last gasp group, like my, my boy Dirk Conan, um, who, who desperately want to make it into the Suns senior team and that this is their last season to do it. So there's nine of them and there's and then you've and then you've got your um, your academy players who are under eighteen academy players who are going to be playing against the TAC Cup teams and then have national championships. Well second half of the season we're gonna see guys like Ashton Crossley and Connor Badarick and uh, Ace Ohio and you know just some really Really, really good players who are going to be coming in and 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 and, and lifting that NEFL team. So, by the end of the year, you know, I think we'll have probably played thirty-five to forty players in, in in the AFL, and we're going to have this next group coming through. And that sort of a like the academy players, I'm anticipating maybe five that we pick up. It'll be like the year before last. Um, so I'm quite I'm quite hyped for that. Yeah. All right, well, we've spent enough time talking about the injuries. We've better get into the actual game. So while I'm dissecting the the start of the game, the scores, can you just check your microphone, Tom? It seems like you're, you're getting a bit of static coming through there. So while, might, while might you do that... Might just be the fan. <laughs> fan is... Uh, it's too hot. <laughs> All right. All right, well, let's get into the game. The Gold Coast Suns were defeated by Sydney, 11 goals, 15, 81, to 19 goals, 9, 123. So the big thing here was we lost by 42 points, and that was the margin we lost the second quarter by when Sydney kicked 9 goals to 2. Now, the most damning stat from the whole game was... 20 to 8 against in the center clearances. So that was 20 to 8 against the Suns. Now that that's a that's a flogging in to put it bluntly that's a flogging in the midfield. Um especially considering Wits was dominating the tap outs. Uh yeah, I think I think he had around 60 plus hit outs and um he was only up against Alia Alia, so not a recognised ruckman for Sydney. Despite Alia Alia actually playing quite well, it it was just really disappointing that the Suns didn't make the most of the ruck advantage that they had. Now, do you I'll, think I'll that's I'll you up there a little bit, because it was... Wits got 46 hitouts, and Peter Wright got 17 hitouts, which I think is twice as good as anything that he's ever done. So, there, there is a bit of good news there, and Wits wasn't sort of Hit, making world record hit-out numbers, and Alir Alir had 17 hit-outs. Okay, I must have been looking at the team stats then when I was looking no, for the yeah, hit-outs. You're right, you're right. But, I mean, you know, so, they were they but, were dominating. 
Yeah, but either way, Wits... Do you think it's in a case of Wits not making the most of the actual tap work? Or is it our midfielders just not getting to the ball? Well, there's a third thing there, and that's that's um, the, when you face top-rated midfields, which we've done two weeks in a row now, they anticipate where the ball's going to fall better than our mids. And that's that's something our mids need to need to get across. Um, do you remember in the very early days of Wits playing for us, um, him and him and Ablett just had this fantastic relationship. I think Ablett broke the AFL record for most clear, most stoppage clearances in a game, um, and and Wits was just tapping it down, and Ablett would just run around and pick it up and roll feed race, and you know we were winning games with with, with that with that dominant ruckman. And then somehow last year he just couldn't seem to find a, a partner who was who was gonna you know consistently get it. I think I think Miller is probably the guy who is doing it best. Two things: um, Alira Lear would go up for the the ruck contest and recover from it much more quickly, which with the six 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 rule essentially meant that the Gold Coast had three midfielders against four Suns, uh, Swans midfielders. And what would basically happen is in the tussle for the ball, if a Swan got a hold of it, then he'd hand pass to another Swan, who'd hand pass it to the other one, who'd hand pass to the other one. And next thing you know, they're out. Um, and there's not much a guy the size of Wits is going to be able to do about that. So there's so you, something we've got to... Yeah, so, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Essentially... They had a bit more flexibility around the ground, having a more mobile player like a Lear Lear there. Yeah, well, I mean, in the stoppages, we, we we won plenty of those. Although we should have won more with the with the amount of ball, you know. So that so so the Swans were still able to steal it off us at the stoppages around the ground, but we were a lot better at doing that, and we converted when we were winning stoppages around the ground. We were we were going forward and getting it inside fifty. So yeah, that you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's those centre clearances where you, you're far more likely to convert that to a to a forward fifty and a, and, a, and some sort of result. Okay. Um, I just want to pick you up with the conversion because we had fifteen behinds to eleven, so that's not great. But then you also no. look at our the turnovers, which was horrendous. So many skill errors being made by these boys. Now I don't know if it was the yeah. 34, 36 degree heat. And the humidity, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I think about. I think I saw an article sa- somewhere saying sixteen or seventeen of the players on the field for the Suns had less than seventy percent disposal efficiency. That's not good yeah. enough. That, yeah. that that's really not good enough. Despite the heat, I mean, we had better disposal efficiency in humid conditions, wet and slippery, up in McKay the week before. Yeah, the the. The indictment on our game was our disposal efficiency. Um, there were some guys who were doing really good stuff with the ball, and other guys who who were just basically just hacking it and doing all the kinds of things that you you just you hate. I mean, Charlie Ballard, perfect example. Two yeah. times he grubbed it straight to an opponent, and then the opponent, you know, because they were feeling cocky, just sent it back over his head for a 12, 12 point turnaround and. In fact, that might have actually been more like a twenty-four point turnaround because going coast to coast is so much easier to do when you when you're coming out of your, your zone than it used to be. 
Um, a guy like Braden Fiorini goes out and touches the ball 26 times, and 14 of them were ineffective. So you well, might as well just yeah, touch Fiorini it. Yeah, Fiorini had 76% uh, time on ground. Um, yeah. Sorry, I thought that was going to say disposal efficiency. I can't even read my own handwriting. Uh, yeah. Miller, as well, had 31 disposals with 73% time on ground as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Miller's disposal efficiency, I think I calculated he only really had about 14 to 16 effective possessions. So it wasn't yeah. just Fiorini. It's just way too many of our boys uh, didn't have the, the, the skills. Uh, I will say Hanley had 93% disposal efficiency for his 16 disposals. So he didn't get as much of the ball as the other boys, but he certainly used it well. And that was one of the highlights I can take away from the game was just seeing Hanley uh, get the ball and run and kick it and hit targets. Yeah, and that one, that, that's basically one disposal that, that wasn't effective. Um, and that, that came very early in the game when he was still trying to sort of find his feet. Uh, he got better as the game went on. And his, just his run, uh, getting the, getting the, running the ball out of defensive 50 was just fantastic. Um, he's going to be really good for us. Uh, it was a freak injury last year, as we know. And then they made the decision not to operate. And then he came out and he injured it again, which lost us the game against Frio. So, you know, he's he's now got that shoulder fixed. And there's no absolutely no reason why why he can't play the whole 22 games this year. So, it's you know, it's fine. we're finally going to get a chance to have a look at him. Fingers crossed he doesn't end up like like uh, some of the other guys. But anyway, um, I, I do believe that, that you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that, that statistic about disposal efficiency there may be some guys who find themselves uh, not getting selected next week due to that on both teams there were some guys in the other team um, who were also not so great and Sydney's the kind of team that really highly values disposal efficiency so um, I think we can probably put maybe five or ten percent for some of those guys on their on their efficiency down to the the the, the sweaty ball, the um, the you know the sticky conditions, um, but the, both teams are playing in the same conditions, and and the Swans had by and large they they had they had better disposal efficiency. Um, we we had some outstanding guys though, um, Darcy McPherson um, used the ball really well all day, uh, and he only played half the game, um, and Lockie Weller, and I mentioned to you earlier on Ben King you know when he did have the ball he used it really well um, and the guys who had 100% disposal efficiency only spent 31 and 17% of time on the ground so you can't really say they were you know they, they, they were exemplary um, 26 down to 22 that's going to be tough to do isn't it yeah it certainly is we'll, we'll focus on that next week when we're looking at you know our episode will come out before the 22 is selected, so we'll be spending most of that episode talking about who we think is best 22. But um, let's go back to the forward setup for the Suns in this game. Um, mm. We kicked 11 goals. Wright, Sexton and Lukosius had two goals apiece. Um, and one thing I did notice, one strategy which I was talking to you about during the game, was what I like to call the Gold Coast Wave. It's essentially mm. kicking the ball into space and having 
three or four Suns players running onto it. So not just one, but they usually had two or three options. And um, it worked a couple of times to get some goals. But for a majority of the game, I don't think it worked as effectively as what it was the week before with the Bulldogs. And I think against the Bulldogs, we were targeting more leads and honouring the players that were leading or going for marks. Um, I just feel like this... I think I think realistically this this just doesn't suit us the the running onto the the ball. Mind you, we probably mm. weren't playing the best players for that sort of a role. You would think if we were going to go into that in round 1, you'd have all your speedsters in that forward line. You'd be going like a mosquito fleet like what we saw from Carlton a few years back. Um so you're Chi, your Ainsworth, your Sexton all sort of running as fast as they can to get to that ball. Yeah, I I, I always like to see a Gold Coast player marking the ball inside 50. Uh, just doesn't happen as, as often as, as you need it to happen to win games. But in, in that year you were talking about, those guys were getting goals from, from anywhere and everywhere. Um, I, I, you know, Darcy wasn't on the field long enough to, to get a goal. And if we're going to talk about purely where our goals are coming from. Well, Lukosha's got a couple of nice ones. Um, Sexton had four shots on goal, got two of them in. That's not bad for a, a small forward. Um, Two-metre Peter, uh, he didn't have the greatest game again. But I will I will say this. You look at his stat line, and he was the best on the field for, the, for effort uh, because he's gone out and, and chopped out in the ruck for about 25% of the game. Um He's played 78% on, on the field, so, you know, it shows how knackered he was. Um, and he's gone out and got 17 possessions, seven marks, two goals, two. Well, you know, and, 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 and that wasn't, that doesn't even reflect the, the, the out of bounds on the full. <laughs> well, well that's, a, that's a pretty good day out for a, for a forward. So I think yeah. Peter Wright had a, had a pretty good game, actually. Um, yeah. I thought Lukosius's goals were. Probably opportunistic would be the right word. Uh, just yeah, the right yeah. place, right time. I mean, he showed good skills to lay tackles, but uh, I think both of his goals came from free kicks, didn't they? Yeah, but I know it, one of them did. Good to see. It's good to see. Yeah, they, they both did, and it was good to see that he was just able to just calm, cool. I'm just going to kick this goal, and it's not a big deal. And that's what we need from a, a, a forward, a marking forward like that. Um, you know, he's still a few years off being elite, but he's he's already showing the signs that he can compete. I don't know whether he plays next week or not because, you know, Burgess seems to have played himself into that role. Um, and do we want to go with too small, too medium and too tall forwards or... You know, we know that Peter Wright can't really put defensive pressure on, but can Lukosius do that as well as maybe, say, someone like Ainsworth or Archie? Well, I think Lukosius scoring two goals from two tackles is a result of his defensive work. So he shows that. Mm -hmm. All right, Mm -hmm. well, let's move on. There's an article on the AFL website at the moment discussing the rule changes and the effect they've had on the clubs. Uh, through the through the JLT games. So if we look down at the Gold Coast section, they talk about the midfield first of all and how it's a slight area of concern for the Suns 
with the 666 structure. Um, mm. I mean, Tuke Miller, David Swallow, Jack Bowes were popular hitmen for Gold Coast. But even with a winger set up defensively on occasions, the Swans walked away with some easy clearances that led directly to shots at goal. Now, that's mm. dead set accurate. And yeah. that is probably the biggest concern for the club. How mm. are we going to be able to stop that run on? With these new rule changes, mm. there is potential that if uh, if the, we see the Suns of old that drop their heads and just sort of give up through a game, it could get nasty very quickly. Yeah. Well, let's just say um, we've, we've, we've had two really good games against two really good midfields who showed up our deficiencies. So um, we're not going to... We're not going to face midfields like that until round three when we play the Bulldogs. Uh, well, we beat them last week, but they beat us in the midfield in that in that area and in and in the the, the game for points last year where Wits hit, had had you know some one of the top ten all time ruckman games for stats in 160 years of AFL footy, and and they still beat us because they were able to dominate those clearances and and and, and win stoppages against the. The, the grain. Um, we need a we need one or two big fellas. Um, Swallow's not small, and Jack Bowes is getting bigger. Um, but we just need. I, I, I think I think there's a couple of things that we need. So I'll, I'll concentrate on the second thing first, and that is uh, Jordan Murdoch off halfback flank or off off the wing, because this is a, this this has been an AFL wide trend. Instead of playing your wingman right on the centre, you're playing back towards the the, the the defensive 50 and he runs straight in and fills that gap. So if the opposition does win the ball, they're running towards seven defenders on six players. So any numerical advantage that they've gotten by breaking away out of the middle is nullified by that winger running in behind the ball and coming in and trying to chop it off. So... Murdoch's got the speed. Maybe Holman's got the, you know, he's full tilt when he when he's when he's running at it. Uh, he's another one who could come off that that flank and really run in on the centre bounces. So I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's difficult because I um I don't know whether Murdoch. I think Murdoch is better off a halfback flank and also with the kick in responsibilities. We saw Ballard screw up a couple of kick in responsibilities. Uh, that's not his style. I think he's more of an interceptor using the ball up the ground, not in close quarters. Uh, whereas... He changed his boots. Did you see he changed his boots at halftime? Yeah, I did. Played, uh, but... played much better. <laughs> but Murdoch, uh, I, I really noticed how much we, we struggled to get the ball out of our defensive 50 when he wasn't playing against Sydney. And yeah. I think that is with his penetrating kick and his leg speed he was just able to clear that ball past that zone that that opposition team set up in. Uh, mm. Yeah, Hanley and Harbrow to an extent as well, but they just didn't seem to do it as well as what Murdoch did. Mm. So mm. I, I'm just convinced that's Murdoch's position in our side as a kick I agree. Specialist. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, but I just think he could also be a specialist winger um, in, that, in that sense that for... For when you're matching up in, in in you know throughout the game, he's going to be a defender. But if you can put him on the wing and put your winger in defence at the at the centre bounce, 
you're going to have seven players. Look, it's who can get there first because it's a long way from the wing in to try and beat those midfielders because they're running 20 metres and you've got to run 25. But someone as fast as him could do it. But I, I, I would say um, Jack Martin reads the play well enough that if he was coming off the off the wing, um, the reason Jack Bowes spent time in, in, in the in defence was to teach him how to come off the wing. Lockie Wellers got pace to get there. So... You know, it doesn't need to necessarily be the fastest guy in the team, and I don't think I think Weller's only a whisker short, uh, slower than than than, than uh, Murdoch. Just Murdoch's a bit bigger. So if he, if it was someone like, um, you know, Kennedy running on the ball, you know, breaking free, then you'd want a Holman or a or a Murdoch to come in and chop him off because um, a smaller guy isn't going to be as effective at, at shutting down the play. Um, it, it, yet again, I, I think what it comes down to is. A lot of the time, the Gold Coast are willing in defence, but the opposition can just get that ball away, and the better teams are able to, you know, put together three, four, five handballs, and they're out. And we lay five tackles, but it's it's just not quite enough, and we we end up with five players on the ground because we've just had five tackles. Yeah. So they only need one guy on on his feet with the ball to get past us then. Okay. Um, so, right, you know, that's the basic up, footy. Tom. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry, we've got about 30 seconds left before it's going to cut <laughs> out on us. So let's start, wrap it up. We'll come back and talk about all this next week in our episode, same time next Tuesday night as a pre-season uh, a preview for the St Kilda game. Tom, you've been keeping up with the articles on the Facebook page. So thanks for that. The match previews are fantastic and hopefully you'll keep up with them. Uh, But we've got to go. So thanks for listening to the show and go Suns. Go Suns. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air.